Episode 11 of the Book of Basketball 2.0 podcast is brought to you by State Farm. During the NBA season, a clutch teammate makes all the difference with a State Farm agent on your team. You can have someone who comes in clutch right when you need it. Kind of like how Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, and Tim Duncan all came clutch for each other a lot of times during the uh, 2000s and 2010s. Not in the game we're about to discuss, though. Talk to a State Farm agent today about combining your home and auto insurance and get a teammate who can come through in the clutch, State Farm. Meanwhile, this NBA season, Mountain Dew is all about the threes, the shot that's changing the game. We had one of the most memorable threes in the game we're about to discuss. Manu from, from deep with less than a minute in the fourth quarter. Mavs Spurs 2006, you're about to hear about it. Brought to you by Mountain Dew, the official beverage of the NBA. Do the Dew. In the last Book of Basketball podcast, we tackled Dirk Nowitzki and his place in the pyramid with Mark Stein, who covered him and wrote about him for many, many, many years in Dallas and for ESPN. Now, the accompanying podcast about the 2006 Spurs-Mav series, which was Dirk's original breakout. We talked about this in the Pyramid podcast, but it seemed like he was about to become a super duper star. And then in the finals, the officials had other ideas, but for now. 2006 Spurs series, this felt like the moment, the breakout thing. Now, what's crazy, it was also uh, the best series of that decade, probably, and one of the best series of this century. We're going to relive it all right now. This is the Book of Basketball podcast. My name is Bill Simmons. Here we go. Oh, like Shaq, Kobe's going to attack. Larry, she's at three, quads playing that D. LeBron hits him with that steal, and you already feel Book of Basketball Pod. This is a bookend pod to the Dirk Nowitzki Pyramid Pod we did. Mark Stein is here. We are going to talk about Game 7, 2006, Spurs-Dallas, which was the best game of the decade, arguably. You said it was the best game you ever covered. Best game I ever covered. Best series I've ever covered. What do you remember? Just quick thumbnail in your head, just being there in Game 7 for that whole game. Honestly, the biggest thing is the Mavs were up by 20 early. I want to say it was 58-38. And it felt like San Antonio erased that lead in about three seconds. Gone. And 20, Dallas had a 3-1 lead in this series. 3-1 lead in the series. That game was the series in microcosm. It was the, the Mavs had to win that game twice. They had to win the series about three times. You know, blew the 3-1 lead. Jason Terry punches Finley, my ex-Mav, one of Dirk's soulmates in the balls right. get suspended. It was one of the first ball punch suspensions. It was like you know, history. The, the video camera caught, like there was no no alibi, like Terry's just dead to rights on the camera. First of all, game seven in San Antonio, you're thinking no chance. They go up 20. Spurs erase it in like two minutes. And so you're like, okay, it's done. The Mavs, they've blown this series seven times. No Could chance they can win. And they won. All right. Legacies before we get into the actual game. Legacy of the 2006 Mavs. This was Dirk's super duper duper star breakout run. And then the finals, the refs threw a grenade on it. But it was there. He got a whole column for me. I remember it. That it might be like, the piece I'm he in. wrote that I remember the most. I was in. I was all in. Um, it sparked a real referendum on the officiating crisis. This team in general, we didn't know this before this game. Um, 
Mark Cuban's real official breakout party is a really hands-on owner slash possible lunatic where it really seemed like he might get kicked he out of the league. He strayed toward lunatic on that he one. He really did. That was, that was not, he was just off his rocker in a really fun, exciting way. Just we weren't used to owners acting like that. Um, they inspired me to create the 42 Club, which I wrote in the Dirk Nowitzki piece I wrote about. Just add points, rebounds, assists together. And if it adds up to 42, you know something significant has happened for somebody in the playoffs. Dirk was like way over 42. I think he ended up at like 41.9 for this season. And then this was just kind of a tragic mid-2000s Mavs run where they were in the mix for years on end. They blew the Nash thing. He leaves, becomes a two-time MVP. But then it doesn't matter because they end up making the finals anyway. And then it gets the rug gets pulled out. And then the next year... Dirk's MVP season, and then the loss in round one. And by the end of it, you're like, oh, man, this is kind of tragic. What makes, I think, his story as unique as anyone's in the history of the game, you know, you wrote, like I said, of all our time, we probably worked together almost 15 years at ESPN. The story you wrote that I remember the most was, I remember two, you wrote one story about how you wanted to be a newsbreaker and get your name on the scroll. And the, and, oh, and, you hated that. You were so and, mad at no, me no, for I, that. No, it was just funny that like that was your dream and you realized it wasn't all it was cracked up to you. But <laughs> yeah, the, other one, the other one was Dirk has climbed the mountain. Dirk has gone to the next level. But then they lost that finals. Yeah. And he backslid. And I can't remember many guys that we thought he won a game seven in San Antonio. He's conquered Tim Duncan. He, now he's taking his team to the finals. But then it was a backslide. For five, you know, not statistically, but it took him five more years to really cross that threshold. And that's just a different path than we see. Legacy of the 06 Spurs, they won in 03. 04, Fisher shot, flips it for them. They don't make the finals. 05, they win. 06, probably should have beaten the Mavs. 07, they win. They're one foul and one crazy shot away from people possibly saying they could have won five straight. I mean, I don't think they would have, but they're definitely but, two well, plays away from five titles. In 2014, I did what basically amounted to an ebook on the Spurs, the Pop and Duncan power couple, yeah. Pop and Duncan. Robert Ory told me for that piece, that Manu foul cost us a three-peat. Yeah. And what is the one thing the Pop and Duncan Spurs are missing? They never won two in a row. And I think basketball people consider them a dynasty, but outsiders, pundits, historians like you and I, there are some people who would say they're not a dynasty because they never won two in a row. That was, that foul was, there's a reason Manu Ginobili, it lived with him for a long time because yeah. it probably, if they beat the Mavs, they're going to win the title that year. Three-peat is just easily digestible for people that, uh, talking heads and casual basketball fans. Oh, three-peat, that's a lot. Like the Lakers, Oh 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 one oh two three peat Lakers when you, when and it when changes you, their destiny and their when you haven't even that. had a two peat it becomes a hell of a lot bigger yeah um, legacy of the 06 season so this was actually an awesome season and the next season was horrible but this season was really fun in a lot of ways uh, Kobe scores thirty five a game and just says fuck everybody my team sucks I don't care I'm just scoring thirty five a game he scores eighty one. Just a lot of fun stuff with that. We had a really good MVP debate that year because it was like you had Nash, you had Kobe. Dirk had a really good season that he just kind of got swept under the rug. There was a Shaq case because of what he meant to the Mavs and all that stuff. So we had that. We had an incredibly entertaining West. The Mavs, the Spurs, the Lakers, 
Kobe's one-man show. Nash's sons, who were playing without Amari and were still really fun to watch. Hubie's Grizzlies? The Clippers. The Clippers were a title took, contender. Took, took the Suns to seven, Isaac took the Suns to seven. Should have beaten the Suns. Quentin Ross will live on in infamy for the 42 Clipper fans. But a great Elton Brand season. And more importantly, like, there were no good Clipper seasons. This was the first time the Clippers even had, like, a 50-win team. So that was fun. We also have, that was the rise of LeBron, Wade, Mello. Not that they were surprised, but this was the first year it was like, oh, these guys. Like, Wade's going to be heard from in the finals. Mello's really good. LeBron is in the playoffs battling Gilbert Arenas. So that was fun. We had the Isaiah Thomas train wreck was in full swing with the Knicks. He's doing crazy stuff. We had Pete Gilbert Arenas and Pete Paul Pierce. We had a really great Chris Paul rookie season. And we had 64 win Detroit Pistons with everybody bored of watching them. So that's what we had. Um, I talked about Dallas that year. I wrote, I wrote about how we, we had the new and improved NBA end-to-end action, loads of points, dramatic endings, new generation superstars coming their own. This was really like a significant year. And I said, Dallas personified everything that was happening. The Mavericks could play small. They could play big. They could play fast. They could play slow. Talking about them almost made me feel like Roller Girl describing Dirk Diggler. You get that joke, Isaac? No, he doesn't know. He The wait, young wait, people. Wait. That's boogie nights, Yeah, right? the young people don't. Yeah, you got it. Um <laughs> They, uh, you lose to me on a pop culture question, and I don't know if, if a movie from that time can be considered pop culture. It's not it's good. It's not it's good, it's Ringer staff. Their offense revolved around a seven-foot German who created a new form of post-up offense. They had an answer for everything. That's the best thing about the Mavs, their unpredictability. You never knew what to expect with them. And you can feel this in this game. They go small and big in the fourth quarter. Like Teams really weren't thinking that way. I texted Steve Kerr about this because he, uh, he announced this game. And he's great. And I was like, what do you remember for that game? He's like, first of all, he said it was amazing to just be there. But he was like, the Mavs, I remember them going small. And that was like not a thing back then. And you can even hear him talking about it, the way the announcers talked about it back then. And we're like, well, they're going small, but not understanding why it was a good <laughs> idea. And it's like, yeah, because the three-point shooters create space. But people are just like, oh, small, big. And that was it. That was the end of the discussion. Um, what do you remember about that 06 Mavs team? The 06 Mavs. You had a lot of Avery Johnson in your life. Intense. Avery, it's funny because Avery was so different, but he really helped Dirk. He really was a huge, huge figure in his career. And Dirk was seen as this guy. He can't change. So now he's lost Nash and he's lost Nelly. Nelly, who gave him the longest rope, the greenest light anybody could ever have. Avery told Dirk, no, you're not shooting threes. You're the German Tim Duncan. I'm going to get you on the box. Mm. I want you going to the bucket. I want you getting free throws. I want you playing aggressive. And that's the Dirk Nowitzki we saw that season. That's the Dirk Nowitzki you saw in that series. He didn't just shoot trail threes and hoist jays. He went to the cup with just a level of abandon that to that point, he hadn't. They didn't win in 06. He never won a title with Avery, but Avery force-fed him a style that made him, that set him on the path to become the well-rounded, I've got everything offensive player that he he became. And Avery, point guard in the 99 Spurs, learned from Pop, I would guess, some stuff. 
and was a really hot coaching prospect when the Mavs hired him. He was somebody I think everybody well, here, thought was going to do this, it. This, you know, Mark Cuban, when they hired Carlisle, that was the first time the Mavs actually went outside the family to do something. What happened was Avery wanted a coach and Don Nelson would let Avery, as a player, start coaching practices. So Cuban got to observe Avery. And when Nelly and Cuban just reached the point where they just could not coexist anymore, and Nelly, abrupt, he quit on a Saturday. Just abrupt, I'm out. On a Saturday, late in the regular season. Avery was instantly installed because Cuban had watched him, observed him. He knew exactly. And, you know, Cuban in those days, he was right there in the right. heart of the, you know, basically in the huddle. And so he knew what Avery was about, liked the approach, and it was just totally different than Don Nelson. Very rigid, and that served Dirk well in a lot of ways. But then in that, in the 06 finals, obviously the, the rigidity kind of backfired and contributed to the whole meltdown. But there is no question that Avery played a big part in Dirk's development. So Nelly was the head coach, and he would just be at practice, and he'd be like, not that bad. Avery, but why I'll, don't you run this one? I'll, I'm going to tell you. There was no there was no bong, but <laughs> we'll, I'll tell you what did happen. In the O, was it O4? I guess Nash's lat, O4, so that would have been basically the end of Nash's time with the Mavs. The Mavs lost a first-round series to Sacramento. Yeah. You know, Nash, he's trying to guard Mike Bibby. He's being hounded by Doug Christie. He was the fall guy for that series. Mavs, I want to say, lost in five games. Before the Mavs flew to Sacramento for game five, Nelly canceled practice, showed up for a mandatory media availability in golf spikes. And the, golf Ma spikes. And the Mavs, all we saw them doing when the media was let in was shooting half-court shots. This is before game five, your winner-go-home game for the season. Oh, my God. That, that, was, that was Los Mavs when Nelly was in the mood. Los Mavs. Spurs were uh, trying to become the 19th to come back from 3-1. Mavs were trying to shake the curse of the Spurs. Well, explain the big brother, little yeah, brother, I mean, Spurs, Mavs. Dirk's thing. the one who always called the Spurs the big brother. And, you know, the Mavs had that streak of, you know, 10 or 11, 50 wins in a row. Whatever the Mavs streak was, San Antonio was one longer. Like, the Spurs were just, they were a dynasty. I count them as a dynasty. I don't know if they meet your definition of a dynasty, but they were. Every year they were a threat to win. I just think they're like the Patriots. They're just in the mix for just an incredibly long when period of time. Every time they lost, it was just agony. The yeah. Fisher shot, the Manu foul. Later on, the way they lost the 2013 series when they really should have won both. Right. When they lost, it was just an impaling on a post. But they won a lot too. And they were, you know, Pop and Nelly had been really close. Pop was an assistant under Nelly in Golden State. So they were really close and just... The Spurs were ahead of the Mavs. Duncan came into the league a year before Dirk. So, like, they were just always one step ahead. And they beat the Mavs most times in the playoffs. They Most times they beat them. I compared them once, what they meant to the league during that whole Spurs run, to, like, in wrestling, how John Cena was used, where if this great champ who, when you want to put somebody else over, John Cena would get pinned by them. And they'd be like, wow, they beat John mm -hmm. Cena. And that's what the Spurs were like for like Dirk and the Mavs, Durant and OKC, LeBron and Wade, that second title over the Clippers. The one time the Clippers beat them in a playoff series in seven, it was like probably one of the top three moments in Clippers history. But over and over again, if you beat the Spurs, now you made it. Now you did something. 
And that's, I think the Patriots are like that too. You get through the Patriots, you did something. So this series, game one, Spurs win by two. Duncan has 31. Game two, Dallas blowout. Josh Howard, 27. We're going to talk about him. Game three, 104-103 Dallas. Dirk has 27 total. 21 for 24 from the free throw line. He only had three field goals. I remember Cal State Florentine's Bruce Bowen walking off the court in that game saying some unkind things. Well, you know why? Dallas shot 50 free throws. That was a little shady. Let's take a break to tell you that the Book of Basketball 2.0 podcast is brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. And if you're an NBA fan and you're listening to this, I assume you're an NBA fan. I hope you're also checking out the Ringer NBA show where you can hear the mismatch with Chris Vernon and Kevin O'Connor every Tuesday and late, late Thursday night, Friday, uh, breaking down the latest NBA storylines, trends, and important developments. If you want to hear it, all you have to do is say, hey, Google, play the Ringer NBA show. All right, here's the latest episode of the Ringer NBA show. Will Kevin get love? The Knicks fire Fizdale and untucked jerseys heat check. Hey, Google, pause podcast. It's that easy. You can listen to the Ringer NBA show multiple times a week on the Ringer Podcast Network. And don't forget to have the Google Assistant help you out. All right, back to this podcast. Game four, Dallas wins again by five, 123-118. Dirk has 28. Terry has 32. Stack has 26. Jerry Stackhouse. Series seems like it might be over. Game five, Spurs pull it out. They win by one. Duncan, 36. Game six, Jason Terry suspended. Manu has 30. Duncan has 24. Dirk puts up a 26 and 21, but they lose because nobody else shows up. Now it's game seven. Here we go again. Here comes another Dallas terrible moment. Dallas, not, not a lot of great Dallas playoff moments. Like really until the Dirk thing started heating up, the highlight of Dallas was taking the Lakers to seven games, what, in 1988? Yeah. That was literally the highlight. To explain it to you, I'm going to tell you a story. Our good friend, Jay Adonde. Mm. So I was a Southern California. I mostly grew up in Southern California from age nine through 26, 27. I left the Laker beat to go to the Dallas Morning News because it's the Dallas Morning News. It's the best sports section in the country. You got to go to the Dallas Morning News, but I'm leaving the Shaq and Kobe Lakers, the first year of Shaq and Kobe. I covered that, but I leave to go cover the Mavs who are a laughingstock, a doormat. But I've moved now to Dallas. Cuban comes in, constant hoopla. Cuban, he was the Charles Barkley of owners. All I covered was Cuban. That was like, every time I saw David Stern, I had to corner him about a Cuban issue. But the Mavs would just always lose in the playoffs they, right. in some choking fashion. So Adonde, to make fun of me, even though I don't work for the Mavs, but I live in Dallas and this is covering them as my life. Adonde dubbed them the fraudulents. They were the fraudulents wow. because it didn't matter how good they were, what their record was, no matter how many wins they had in the regular season, you knew the Mavs were going to choke in the playoffs. So that was always, Stein, how's your fraudulence? How's your fraudulence doing? Like that was, <laughs> that was it. That was, and that's how people looked at those Mavs teams really until, you know, in 03, they got to the conference finals, but they were up big that's in the game. Dirk, Dirk sat out. Yeah. They lose the game. You know, Steve Kerr and Steven Jackson make 29 threes. No matter what the situation was, the Mavs were going to choke. They were the fraudulents. That's that was a Don Day's term, but it was that was how people looked at them back then. So I'm old enough as you are to remember when they came into the league. The leagues merged in 1976, and it's really tight. And there's just a ton of talent. Cocaine comes into the league. It's kind of they're tape delaying playoff games, all that stuff. 
And then they bring Dallas in. I'm going to say like what, 1981? 80, 81. Yeah. And they have like a weird expansion draft, which I remember really caring about as a kid and there's no information <laughs> at all. There's no internet. Oh, like an expansion draft? What, could somebody get drafted off the I'm freaking out. Um, Who was the Celtics pick on that? I don't think they picked a Celtic, which was probably yeah, a mistake. I'm, I'm, I can't. Re- I mean, I didn't get to Dallas till '97, but I studied my Mavs history, and I don't remember. I remember they took Brad Davis, who had a cool mustache and a great basketball card. Go through the '80s, they luck out with Mark Aguirre, who was a really, you know, I mean, they put a the nice team together quick. So they take Mark Aguirre over Isaiah Thomas, which was a pretty big deal at the time because Isaiah just won a national title, but Aguirre was great and was the kind of forward you want in the 80s. They end up with they Jay Vincent. They got, they got Orlando Rowe. Blackman, yeah. Derek Harper. Yeah, they were good. I mean— And then they, the big one was—the big what-if for them was Roy Tarpley. The Celtics, the what-if was unbiased. They had Roy Tarpley who, you know, slipped through the cracks now, but there was just nobody like Roy Tarpley other than Barkley in the mid-'80s. guy was a and that's absolute thing. He beast. kept teasing them and letting them down uh, and breaking their heart. But, I mean, think about it. They, by the 87, they were in the conference finals. They didn't have to wait long. Right. So then— I don't really remember what happens to them for the next 10 years. Yeah, they became the worst team in sports. They're That's pretty what bad. happened. I'm trying to remember, I'm trying to oh. have one Maverick memory and I don't really Here's have your one. memory. In NBA Jam, Mike Ozzolino was one of their two guys <laughs> in NBA Jam. That's your memory. That's that's how that's who how bad the other it was. One? Mike Ozzolino and who was his... How did that happen? Why would they how do can that I not to remember? the Mavs fans? How can I, I should remember that cuz that was you brutal. always the first team you played in NBA Jam was Mike Ozzolino oh and Oh my god. That would be a good ringer feature. Mike Uzzolino, 25 years later. What's happened to you? God, I love NBA Jam. So anyway, the Mavs, Dirk, and Nash, and it finally comes around. Mark Cuban helped. So just quickly going through this game. First quarter, Mavs, Josh Howard was seven straight. Forgot how much I like Josh Howard's game. 37-25 after the first quarter. Dallas is 15-17 at one point. They're just lights out. It's like, whoa, this is throwing some knockout punches. Second quarter, they're up 18. San Antonio misses eight times. San Antonio's bench was terrible. Dallas goes up 58-38, which you mentioned before. Dirk splits a double team, three-point play, and does a very uncharacteristic, huge Dirk fist pump. Like, really, like, this whoa. was the This was the inception of the Dirk face. I think you called it something else in print that was probably better, but just to me, when somebody says, like, I just think it's the Dirk face. Like, all of a sudden— he started making this face that just said, I think it was a Kobe you, face. You can't guard me. You can't guard me. He didn't do that. Like, 02 or 03, they swept Minnesota. And Garnett was just all, they swept Minnesota. But like, Dirk swept them, but it was without the bravado. Right. He's not doing that to Kevin Garnett. 06, he was feeling himself mm. as LeBron James. That was, say. I think, the year faces were born. Like, because Kobe had his... Was that the same? The underbite. Yeah. Dirk had his you-can't-stop-me face. A lot of faces. The so Dirk face. 64-50 at halftime. 64-50 or 58? 64-50 at halftime. Still felt like Dallas is in good shape. Then all of a sudden, Duncan gets a little fast break dunk. 68-58. Mano scores five straight. 74-67. Huge three-point play for Manu. I forgot how much I loved the guy going... Ginobili! Yeah, Stan Ginobili! Kelly. Because now Barkley does ball. it. Spurs ball! Spurs <laughs> ball! That guy's great. So now the Mavs are down four. And then Dallas rallies back. Two huge Keith Van Horn threes. They dusted the formaldehyde off them. They're up 10. End of the third quarter, they're up six. 
Through the third quarter, 29 free throw attempts for San Antonio, including 17 for Duncan, eight for Dallas. And their guys are in foul trouble and they're just cutting a Cuban and he's his Frankenstein hair and his steam's coming out of him. And it's starting to look like it's a home job. Fourth quarter, 84 to 80, Duncan makes two free throws. Kerr actually starts talking on the telecast about the calls and points out that the foul differential is 25 for Dallas, 11 for San Antonio. Yikes. Stackhouse, big three-point play. They're up seven. Dirk makes a big three. He's got 29 points. They're up nine, 93-84. Maina scores seven straight. Terry Rainbow, three. Duncan spin move on Dirk. San Antonio's down two, 215 left. They take the lead on a Michael Finley three for San Antonio. We're going to get into the irony of that a little bit later. Duncan fouls out Dampier. Dirk misses a fadeaway. Tie game, 40 seconds left somewhere. San Antonio runs a play for Manu. They double-team Duncan, gets it out. Three-pointer. Complete mayhem. They cut to Cube, and he's got his hands on his head. And Dallas is done. This was right, it. That, They've missed their shot. That's the that face you're talking about for Cuban. That's the fraudulence face. Right. They've done it again. They had a three-one series How lead. Do we blow this. They took a twenty-point lead in Game Seven in San Antonio. They've blown it all. They're up nine in the fourth quarter. So this is like the pre-2004 Red Sox kind of vibe, where I'm watching and I'm recognizing all the pre-2004 Red Sox. I'm like, oh man, they're done. Duncan goes back to Ginobili, who is so confident in these clutch situations. Knocks down the three. This place going crazy. And Marv, we heard Tony Parker talk about how they could rip the heart out of this Dallas team with a victory here tonight. Wow, how deflating would this loss be for the Mavericks? Come out of the timeout. Dirk makes the biggest play of his career. Three-point play. Fouled by Manu. We're going to dive into that in a second. San Antonio still has the ball. They have time for a play. Yeah, for a lot. Wasn't it 20-something yeah, like seconds? 17 seconds left. Spread everyone out for Manu. Still don't understand that decision. He blows by somebody, whips the ball off the backboard. Duncan misses the putback over time. You don't like, wait, wait, wait. You don't like putting the ball in Manu's hands? I'm going to Duncan. They couldn't stop him the whole time. Going overtime. Dasana Diop has to come in. How do you say his name? Sagana Jop. Sagana Jop. Sagana Sagana Jop. Dasana Diop comes in. (laughs) Dasana Jop. Sagana. Just call him Ghana. Can you do Ghana? Everybody call them Ghana. Ghana. Project. They liked him. Long arms. Weren't really sure what he was. What he was is the game changer in that game. He changes the game and shuts down Duncan. Terry makes a shot. Stackhouse makes a shot. Duncan misses a little five-footer with a minute left and the putback. And all of a sudden, the Mavs are up five. Terry misses. Diop gets the huge rebound. He makes a free throw, and basically the game's over. Um, What was it like after? Because they basically, like, they escaped death. This is one of the worst playoff losses, non-finals, of the last 30 years if they blow this. It was shocked that they could actually win a game. I mean, San Antonio, you did, like, how many games seven? Isn't it only the two? Detroit in this one? I don't remember. Road team in a game seven? No, just like game seven actually in San Antonio. Oh, yeah. I think the only two times I can remember it happening was this. 05 finals and and this. And then Detroit. Yeah. 
there was just no way you thought the Spurs could lose a game seven. So, I mean, it was a shock, but for me, most of the aftermath that I remember was focused more on, on Manu and the foul mm. more than the Mavs. Like the Mavs obviously climbed the mountain, but the Spurs lived life on the Manu roller coaster. And that was obviously the worst that it ever was. I mean, they so just. So Dirk spins off Bowen. He's going to the basket and he, and he said afterwards he wants to dunk. And but he's getting a little nudge. Manu comes in from the side to block the dunk, but Dirk got a little nudge, which was the foul, and he can't actually get up to do the dunk. So he's underneath the rim, and Manu hacks him. Nowitzki goes right at Bowen, and the foul! So Nowitzki to the line with a chance to tie the game. Well, five of the first games in this series have come down to the Final possession, basically. Look at this move. I thought Nowitzki would turn for his customary jumper, but showing that newfound strength, aggressiveness, gets all the way to the rim, draws the foul, and now a chance to tie. As I remember it, and I have to admit, my memory starting to really suck. I don't know how yours is at this point. Terrible. I remember what I remember was that somebody in the post game had to ask Pop. And you can imagine after a loss, like somebody had to ask, didn't somebody tell Manu don't foul there? And I just, in my memory, Pop just could have melted you with his look, just like how mad he was at how dumb he thought that question was. But that the implication was, yes, we told Manu, you know, just don't touch him. Let him go. Don't foul him. And the one, first of all, I think they were shocked that Dirk drove it, but just that was the one, that was the only scenario that could screw them. Here's the thing though. There was a lot of time left. It's not like there was five seconds left. There was, it was like 22 or some 21, 22 seconds left. And he really did have a play in the ball. I think he misjudged whatever Dirk was going to do, but he had a good angle and he just couldn't get to it and ended up fouling him. I actually support what he tried to do. And I think the other thing is that I think what Pop would probably say now with time, with, you know, out of the emotion of it, Manu made so many great plays on instinct that like you had to live with it. Like he's not a guy you could just say, let him go. Like there's just no way. Yeah. He's just not, he's going to see the play. He's going to try to make it. That's just how he was. Now, if he had blocked it, it would have been the yeah, greatest play of his yeah. career. So anyway, it goes, uh, the man who's wearing that, which is crazy because they had already won two titles with them. And I think if they hadn't won any titles, it becomes a much bigger boner. Like but he's like thrown I, that word every, but, out every once in a while. But like I've told you, you know, Robert Ory's, his take was, Obviously, Robert Ory's been part of what seven championship teams. If if Mono doesn't make that foul, we three peat. I mean, so I don't know if that's a consensus well, opinion, but there are certainly people who feel that way that that that's how big that foul was. If Robert Ory had made a couple threes in '03, maybe the Lakers four peat. So you can play that game on <laughs> settle down, Robert Ory. <laughs> he uh, he also a year before benefited from what I thought was an even dumber play. When Manu gets trapped in the corner in Detroit game five and Rashid comes off Hori to double team him and then Hori ends up with the wide open three. I thought that was more unforgivable to me. We're going to go through some categories. The most rewatchable sequence. It's funny that the fourth quarter is actually better than the overtime. The overtime's not that good. If this game's ever on television, I would say the first quarter is spectacular because Dallas just can't miss and it's Jason Terry moon balls and... Stackhouse doing his thing and Dirk and it's Again, just my, fun my to just, watch. My whole memories, it just felt like that game was played on 
faster speed. Like, like yeah. it was like a podcast on one and a half. It just felt like it was played so fast. And we should talk. And maybe it was coming, you know, we're coming out of the Spurs Pistons series, which fest. was just yeah. awful basketball. Like, and this was just like supercharged. That, that's just the way it feels in my memory. Well, and you, this is why you could make the best actual series of that decade. It's on the short list and it's probably number one. I think Kings Lakers was pretty great. I think this was a more consistently entertaining series for what you just said. There was a frantic pace that really we have now, but we didn't have as much in 06. Yeah, the way they're playing those, now is a foreshadowing of where basketball is going. Those teams just knew each other inside and out so well. Years of playing against each yep. other. Avery Pops understudy is coaching for the Mavs. Now, like, there was a lot there. In those days, I remember, like, I, I felt like I wrote this at the time. that Like, even a regular season, there was no such thing as a bad Mavs-Spurs game. Even on a December Wednesday, they were going to play a one possession great game. That's just the relationship that those teams had at that point. And we should talk about the Spurs crowd quickly too, because there's only a few places where there's definitely a vibe like Golden State before it changed and became Silicon Valley. Like you went there, that was a vibe. It had a certain energy. That's like, what I'm saying. MSG had Once it. the Mavs blew the three, one lead. I don't remember anybody said, yeah, they'll go in and win a game seven. The fraudulents are going to go in and win a game seven in San Antonio. No chance. Well, there's, it's a really different crowd. It's, not Spurs your typical ball, NBA crowd. It's really diverse. They're really rowdy. They're really into it from the get-go. And it's all natural. It's not like the bogus scoreboard telling them what to do stuff. They're just on it. And there's an atmosphere there that is just tough to go into. That was one of those arenas that I co covered so many games there that I knew this, like the Spurs kept the same song pattern. Like I knew what's in the third quarter. The I, Rocky, knew what, I, knew what, I knew what song was coming next in the third quarter. <laughs> I remember the finals game when LeBron got the cramps. What was that 14? Yeah. I was doing TV that year. I think they killed the air conditioning intentionally. You'll never be able to convince me otherwise. But it was so hot in there that I sweated through my suit. And people are coming over <laughs> before commercial oh. and waving mm. at us because we're just all covered yeah. in sweat. And it was really kind of a memorable night, not just because we were doing TV and sweating all over each other, but it was so hot and passionate in there. I just loved it. I, I really liked the San Echoes Antonio of crowd. the garden in the 80s. I vote for the uh, the fourth quarter was the best. Let's take a break to talk about Luminary, the podcast subscription service, which has the ringers amazing recently new podcast, Sonic Boom, How Seattle Lost Its Team, hosted by our very own Jordan Ritter-Khan. If you're a fan of sports, great investigative journalism, cities that love their NBA team, having that team getting stolen from them, uh, teams getting stolen from one city and brought to another without real repercussions. If you like any of these things, this is a podcast you definitely don't want to miss. It's a personal one for me. I was very upset when the Sonics got ripped from Seattle. I'm glad we were finally to do a podcast explaining why that happened. That's not the only one we do for Luminary. They offer 40 more podcasts that you can't find anywhere else including two more that we did, Break Stuff, The Story of Woodstock 99, and our Rewatchables spinoff, The Rewatchables 1999. The app is free to download, gives you access to way more than just luminary content. You can use it to listen to thousands of other shows, including this one. Get your first two months of access to Luminary's premium content for free when you sign up at luminary.link slash basketball. After that, it's only $7.99 per month. Luminary.link slash basketball for two months of free access. Cancel anytime. Terms do apply. 
So what stage is the best? You mentioned a truly frantic game. A playoff game, it's frantic, but for all the right reasons. It wasn't poorly played. It's actually really a well-played yeah, no. game for what it was. What's aged the best for me, I'm, again, I hate quoting my memory because my memory sucks. Yeah. I remember Duncan saying in defeat, this was the best series I ever played. Wow. And I, and I agree with him. To that point, now, 13 and 14, 13 was obviously epic. And because the Spurs hadn't won since 07, to lose 13 in the fashion they did, then come back and dismantle the Heatles the way they did. You know, it's hard to say that those series didn't eventually top it. But to that point of Duncan's life, I think he was right. I think it was the best series that, I agree that. he'd been a part of. Duncan, speaking of that, for what stage is the best? 32-12, <laughs> assists, 56% field goals in this game. Just- you know who is also aged really well? Greg Popovich. How did he outlast all these guys? That's well, I he's just a what's age the best in general. He, yeah, he's outlasted them by a, forever. Like he used in the, those were the days when he would tell us all the time, the minute Timmy leaves, I'll be the first one out the door. And he's not only lasted outlasted all of them, he's convinced Duncan to come back as an assistant. Unbelievable. Coach. Um Dallas just being a tough team, which unfortunately fell apart the next round. But there I like some of the guys on this team. Stackhouse, top five, toughest guy you covered. Like would you would you take him I mean, anywhere if you le- needed if oh, you needed I mean, help in, in a in, fight? In a, I mean the legend of Stackhouse. Oh my god! Uh, you know Kirk Snyder. Right? Yeah, the, Kirk Snyder decked beat, him. Yeah, beat him up on the loading dock at, in the Mavs arena. Like yeah. that's yeah. But you had him. I Jason Terry was one of the all time irrational confidence guys we've ever and had. He and Dirk though, like again, for Dirk to lose Nash at the time he did. And then strike up the two-man game that he and Terry built together. So, yeah. Like, I think that's a feather in Dirk's cap. But, I mean, Jason Terry was a very, very good offensive player. I wrote for What's Age the Best, Cuban's Frankenstein haircut and aggro reactions. He's on tilt for the entire mid-2000s. <laughs> I think that's fair. He fixed the hair. Now, yeah, he's cleaned up nice in his old age. You mentioned young Jason Terry. 5.23s per game that year attempted 41%. I think he's like a badly overqualified Deion Waiters. Whatever we ever wanted from Deion Waiters, Jason Terry actually was that and won a title. But see, that that number strikes me as so low. And because Avery didn't like threes. Right. But he should have been taking what, 11? Yeah. I mean, I wonder what was Dirk's that year? I mean, it was probably oh, two. Not, yeah, not, not a lot. Avery really didn't like threes. He hated threes. Oh, Get down on the box. I'm gonna when we do what's age the worst, remind me to mention that. Uh another what's age the best. 2006 Josh Howard, who made an all-star team the next year. And when you watch him, you're going, this is exactly the type of guy anyone would want right now in 2019. One like a Jalen Brown. One type. of the maps, one of the Mavs few moments of draft glory that Josh Howard, a well-known commodity out of college. I mean, you know, I've told you a million times, I am not a draft guy. I don't follow right. college hoops. At all, unless it's Cal State Fullerton. I didn't see Josh Howard play one second at Wake, but when he slipped to 28. I mean, that was that was one of the few moments of good fortune for the Mavs in the draft. Do we have an answer for what happened to Josh Howard? I don't. This was a guy who was either the second or third best player in a finals team who made an all-star team the next year and was out of the league by the time he oh, was 30. Yeah, I mean, he things went south with him quick. Yeah, I mean, I remember in, in 09 when, you know, Dirk played on that Mavs team where he had no help and, you know, Josh Howard had fallen way off by that point. But yeah, I mean, he... There was some off-court stuff with him. Yeah. yeah. We'll leave it at that. The announcer screaming, Ginobili! I missed 
for what else? What's age the best? Bruce Bowen's supervillain. This was really the height of when I just really hated Bruce Bowen, and he was doing all the fucking lame Bruce Bowen shit. And what's weird is he's actually a nice guy. I remember we went to college together, man. I know. I hung out with him. I, we're doing TV. And, and believe me, do you think the Mavs like that I will never speak ill of Bruce I Bowen? They won't. don't like it. I had to bring it up. We hung out with him one night in San Antonio at the finals, me and Jalen. And I was like, I just want to hate this guy. And he's actually a nice guy. But I don't support anything he did. And I do feel like the Kawhi injury in 2017 was payback for all the Bruce Bowen bullshit. I've said that to Shea Serrano. I'm and what does Shea say guy. in response? He did, couldn't deny it. I'm a big karma guy. It's like, you do all the shit the you did. The karma lasts that long. The karma goes. Fuck yeah. The karma takes out a guy a whole generation later. Yeah. Another what's age the best. They do a promo during this game, which is a top four game of this decade. And it's like, this it was the first game of doubleheader. Second game, Clip Suns, game seven. The greatest Clipper moment up until last that city. Was, until last year, wasn't 06 like the great, that was the great second round when they, didn't they all go seven? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Jason Terry said this on Dirk. I just like the quote. I thought it aged the best. If you go back to previous playoff series, everyone was questioning Dirk's toughness. Can he get it done? Does he want the ball in the clutch? So this, he's talking about the three point play. This was a situation where we're in the huddle and coach says, we're coming to you, big fella. You could see it in his eyes. Just a determined look that guys hadn't seen before. Dirk. This is it. This led to 2011, this game. The fact that he came through. Whatever other weird shit happened to him over the next few years, this was the foundation, I feel like. Uh, what's age the worst? The talent in 2006? Diop, Adrian Griffin, Daryl Armstrong, washed up Bob Horry. Washed up Nick Van Exel, washed up Keith Van Horn. Oh, I'm not going to let you speak ill of Nick Van Exel, waving that towel. He was washed up. Bed. Come on. Eric Dampier, all of them played in the series. Both teams were probably two and a half guys short. I think nowadays you'd have real guys Again, coming this in. This was right in that sweet spot before super teams. This, yeah. was, this was fertile ground to be snagging championships. True. Um, another what's age the worst. Duncan's bitching at the officials was at its all time worst. He was like secretly a big ass ref bitcher. Well, don't forget, just two years earlier, he was on the bronze medal team and said FIBA sucks and never played for the national <laughs> team true. again. Um, they tell a story during game seven that Del Harris yelled at him about bitching at the refs in game six and said, you're too good for this. And then somebody on San Antonio's bench yelled at Del Harris and they were yelling at each other. I thought that was I don't even remember that. Yeah. One. I don't know where you were. You must have been in the bathroom. Another what's age the worst Dallas, late in the third quarter, plays a lineup with Dirk, Dampier, and Van Horn all together. What are the odds of that lineup happening in 2020? Like 100 to 1? Avery Johnson. Yeah. All right. Manu, during this game, does a kick out the legs for a foul and a three move. So Reggie Miller created it, but it could have died, and then Manu started doing it, and now freaking James Harden took another level. San Antonio's bench aged the worst. Two points in game seven. 13 points total in the final three games. Mm. Brent Barry, Rasha Nostarovich, who was getting DMPs, washed up Robert Horry. I mean, it, it was rough. Another what's age the worst? The Eva Longoria, Tony Parker <laughs> relationship, which they kept cutting to her in the Come stands. On, man. I'm just saying it's aged badly. They didn't <laughs> end up together to watch them over and over again. Um, I got to do it. The Avery Johnson era. 
the lack of threes, and then waiting until game seven to double Tim Duncan. And the announcer's going, well, he's got, he had to play this card. He's throwing a new wrinkle at San Antonio. He's doubling Tim Duncan. I'm like, oh my God, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like I said, Avery Johnson, he does not get written about and talked enough about. Positively and negatively? In the way he impacted Dirk's career. Okay. So, so you can- we'll sweep everything else away. Um, these teams made 59 threes total in the series. Dallas, oh, Dallas shot 32% from three. San Antonio, 39%. Only took 15 a game. I have no idea when they didn't shoot more. Uh, anything else age the worst for yeah, you? That just, that just wasn't there. It changed. Like, it just, once it changed, it changed dramatically. They became, like, at the forefront of it. Right. But it was just in those days. I don't, Pop didn't believe in it. So, I have for what's age the best, just the frenetic pace of this game. It's still really fun to watch now, even with the 2019 lens. And I have for what's age the worst, the, uh, <laughs> the Dirk Dampier Van Horn lineup absolutely slayed me. Yeah, I just I feel like a coach would get fired on the spot if they did that now. No, because you know, here's another thing. We didn't scrutinize it like we no. do now. Twitter has changed. It has put a megaphone in everyone's hand, and we dissect everything on a play. We dissect every dribble. We just didn't do it like that back then. And we have numbers to back up some of the stuff, like, hey, it's dumb to play three big guys together. What are you doing? Yeah, I just start clogging the lane for each other. I don't think we second guess. I mean, you did, but I don't think, by and large, as a media, we were doing it. You live vicariously through some of my rants because you couldn't really go all out on people. Because you had to like, protect that, the but, you sources. Know, you're just better at it. You're better at ranting. Like I'm well, like sometimes worse. Here, here's the thing. Just talking about 06 real quick in a very short tangent. I was not a great ranter, but I was very passionate about the idea that the 06 heat were a disaster. So I ranted at that. I ranted yeah. at Riley all year long and look what it got me. They ended up winning. So. Uh, yeah. If I had had a podcast that year, we definitely would have bitched about it together. You didn't even come on May 2007. We did. You did the first <laughs> BS report ever. It was called, what was it called? Eye of the Sports Guy? That was the initial yeah, title of my podcast. And I was like, what a terrible even, and even title. then, even then, I was like, how could I be the best person you could get? Yeah, you were like, to launch your project. You were honored and insulted. To launch your career changing medium you had me on. Half ass internet research. We mentioned Avery was a former Spur. Duncan versus Van Horn. There actually was an argument in the 97 lottery. About, well, maybe Van Horn should go first. And then all the people who actually watch That shows watch you how basketball. little I paid attention to the draft. If that was an actual yeah. argument. Oh, and all the people who actually watch college basketball are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Tim Duncan's like unassailable. He has to be number one. Um, Dallas dumped two terrible salaries for Van Horn's awful expiring. Calvin Booth and Allen Henderson. Do you have any thoughts about that trade at that Calvin time? Calvin Booth, Mavs legend. Yeah. That layup to beat Utah game five. Mark Cuban said to Nowitzki after, I told Dirk, did you see that? It just ran out the door. The monkey that's been on our back for so long, it's gone. That's a quote I do remember. Yeah. And then Michael Finley's on the Spurs because they amnesty clawed him in Dallas in the yes. summer of 2005. I went back. The I was first so, amnesty. Oh my God. I went back. I read am I read two of your amnesty clause pieces. <laughs> I went back and FAQ, I'm sure it was. FAQ on the amnesty clause. Oh, it was fascinating. Everybody just got to get out of jail free card with some terrible contract. And I had totally forgotten Michael Finley was the Mavs thing. They gave him a seven-year, 100-something. He He was four years in. And he goes to the Spurs for $2.7 million. And then he's in crunch time in this game. Cuban. 
makes the three that seems like it's going to get the momentum. But wow, that was a really fun story. I forgot. Um, greatest what if sliding doors moment. I explained to you sliding doors the last time. <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow, my buddy. So the man who foul, we don't even have to talk about this. If Maynard doesn't foul him. I mean, you're right. That's the thing. There was, oh, the, know, there the, was multiple possessions left. Dirk scores. San Antonio's up one. They probably get the ball into Manu. Maybe he makes both. Maybe he makes one or two. Dallas still has a Jason Terry three or a Dirk three with 10 to eight seconds left. So it's not like San Antonio was going to win, but it's still a decent. Uh, when Manu made the three, it everybody like in that building won. thought that they were winning that game. So the what if is what if Manu doesn't foul Dirk, but I don't think it's a slam dunk San Antonio wins. Nerd corner. Isaac loves this nerd a, corner. Is this a picture of me at my press row seat? No, it's a category. Only six players played 150 plus playoff games and averaged a 2010. Tim Duncan was one of them, 21 and 11. Carl Malone, 25 and 11. Kareem, 24 and 11. Shaq, 24 and 12. Bird, 24 and 10. My man. Will Chamberlain, 23 and 25 rebounds a game for his entire playoff career. <laughs> Uh, but Duncan, like, he's now underrated. I mean, there are people who think Kobe was a more important player and had a more important career than Duncan did, which is insane. Well, but again, it's stuff a, like there's that. A cult. With Kobe, there's a whole off-court component that with Duncan, there's zero. But Duncan, as great as Dirk was, he's playing in Duncan's state the whole time. Like, they were, they're right in each other's faces for their whole careers. Let's take a break to talk about FanDuel Sportsbook. I want to tell you about a feature that they have that really sets them apart from other sports betting sites. Same game parlays. That means it's a parlay combining multiple bets from one game. For example, you can do the over, the spread, and a player prop. You can do three player pops, whatever you want. I would recommend jumping on the Mavericks in all situations where they're playing a bad team because the Mavericks score a lot of points. You can do the Mavericks and the over. You can do the Mavericks and Luka Doncic to have triple-double, whatever you want. Same-game parlays are now available anywhere FanDuel Sportsbook is. New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Indiana, West Virginia, and hopefully a lot more states coming. If you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, you can place your first same-game parlay 100% risk-free and get up to $500 back in site credit. If you don't win, download the FanDuel Sportsbook app on iOS or visit fanduel.com slash Android and be sure to use promo code BSBOOK to place your first bet risk Free, that's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code BSBOOK. And now the legal stuff must be 21 plus and physically present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Indiana, or West Virginia. Applies to first wager only. Site credit non-withdrawable expires 14 days after receipt. Terms and restrictions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit 1800gambler.net or in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Can you explain the Dallas-San Antonio just as cities dynamic to me? Yeah, I mean— Because I've been to both many times. I still don't have a feel for Dallas. I've never understood it. I mean, it's funny. San Antonio was the first Texas city that I ever visited before I moved to Texas. I, I always loved it. I've always felt so at home there. But the Spurs, they were always the Mavs' obstacle. So the Mavs come into the league, and the Spurs are on this really nice post-ABA merger run with Gervin— they have artists Gilmore. They have a nice I mean, little 83 Lakers It's harder for me to speak to that because I wasn't in Dallas No, but I'm just saying, like, but they were successful and the Mavericks really weren't. The first time the Mavs made the playoffs, they beat, you know, the, the Dirk Mavs. They make the playoffs. They beat Utah. Who do they run into? San Antonio. San Antonio knocks them out. Just every time they were ready to take a step, 
the Spurs were were there. And Ed Duncan. Um, the Deion Waiters Award for best heat check. How do you say his name? Sagana Jop. Ghana. We're going to call Ghana. him Ghana. So his OT defense against Duncan. Duncan's first seven OT possessions. Block by Diop. Had to pass out of the defense. Traveled. Missed. Maked. Stripped. Missed. He was like the Duncan stopper for now, five glorious minutes. The word after was that Duncan was suffering from cramps. And was tight. Yeah, he, he doesn't look the same in OT. Another thing I would say, and this was more like legend as opposed to any, like confirmable fact, but supposedly Tony Parker hated, like Jop was really in his head. And you don't see Parker being that aggressive, like to take some pressure off Duncan to go at the rim. Like, Jop was a guy the Spurs just did not like to face. He was amazing wingspan. He was young. He was mobile. He was way more of a presence at the rim than Dampier was. And we should mention that, that five minutes, which Steve Kerr called him the unsung hero. He also got a huge offensive rebound when they were up four, 25 seconds. Got a buckets. That's what they called him. Ended up getting him a contract that turned out to be a mistake. Those five minutes. happen sometimes. The Grady Little Award for biggest coaching fuck up. I mentioned this earlier. I hated the final play. I just would have gone to Duncan and either they single him or if they double him, I have a wide open three-point shooter. I mean, Pop just had such faith in Manu in those situations. And I don't know, does he, does he want to give him the ball after the foul to try to? Well, then you have, they're down four in OT with like 20 seconds left. They set up Michael Finley for a horrendous double pump three. 06, and then 11. I mean, not 11, uh, 13. Could you argue Pop blew two titles? Yeah, I mean, they, you know, that was the if thing. He puts Duncan in that, for the that, rebound. Yeah, that he, I mean, Greg Poffer's overrated. Says Bill not Simmons. Really. Not really. I'm not, Says Bill really Simmons. That. I don't really mean Stein that. Stein did not say he that. He won five titles. No, it's, it is interesting, though. I, did, I didn't love the way he coached in this game. Best chemist, best guy in the bench who just, just evoking chemistry. Nick Van Exel for the Spurs. I like some of the towel waving. I got to give it to Mark Cuban. I thought this Cube's an incredible performance by him. He's hugging guys from behind. He's got his arms around people. There's one he's other guy at the refs. In there. He's now he's now, he's now an executive, but Al Whitley, the Mavs equipment manager. There's one. He's one giving Cuban one of the bear hugs. Oh wow! He was double bear. Hug. He was he was big on that front. Mark Cuban, best owner chemist of all time. Still probably the only owner to ever sit on the bench like he was on the team. I don't feel like we talk about him enough because he's mild. Now. Imagine if Ballmer sat on the Clippers he's bench. Mild. He's like, hey guys, I'm on the he, bench. He's mild. Hey Kawhi, how you doing? I'm Steve Ballmer. Um, half big big picture take. I think this was one of the five best shots of the 21st century. The Dirk three point play. Here's my list. Ray Allen, 2013. That's number one all time. Kyrie, 2016 to win the finals. Kawhi against Philly, bouncing around, going in, sets up them winning the title. I judge this by did it win the title. Then Dirk in 2006 gets into the finals, gets over the San Antonio hump, sets up the rest of his career. And then the Fisher 0.4 seconds because I think San Antonio would have won the title that year. And they ended up beating Detroit the next year too. And, Dude, that's what I'm saying. Every year the Spurs lost, it was just that's agony. A bad one. And it's like, how many? They won five titles in what, 15 years? Yeah, uh, 1999 to 14. Yeah, yeah so, 15 years. I mean, they could have won eight. Yeah, it's like the Patriots. The Patriots won six titles. They could have won three. They could have won nine. 
Um, Tim McCarver, Memorial Broadcast Team Complaint Corner. I have none. I think Marvin Kerr, this version of Marv, a little bit younger, Kerr at just coming off playing just at the peak of his announcing powers. I have this ranked number one. This is my favorite announcing team of all time, which is one of the things that really helps the game. Do you have anybody over them? Mid-2000s, Marvin Kerr? I just, I think that's the apex. You're so much more critical on this. Like, I'm all nostalgia. You like everybody. I, no, it's not that. I'm all nostalgia. Like, Dick and Tommy. Oh, I got Just like, it, like to Dick me, it, it's the magical 80s. Like, when I, <laughs> if I hear that CBS music and Dick Stockton start talking, I'm giddy. Like, so I'm not judging them. Because obviously, Tommy was seen as the most biased national guy ever. <laughs> but like, it it's makes, unbelievable but it that he did happy. games. He's the most biased local guy ever. <laughs> but that's the thing. But I know there were sports media writers then, but like, how was this not like a national issue that Tommy was doing these finals? I think it was. I just don't think we had an internet. I think if we had an internet in the 1980s, it would have stopped immediately. Tell me you don't hear that CBS music and just- Oh, it's the best. Just get psyched. It's the greatest. My only complaint, Cheryl Miller was doing sidelines. Say we- We've done better than Cheryl Miller on the sidelines as the years went along. Apex Mountain, Marvin Kerr, definitely. Even Tony, I feel like, sure. I think Desperate Housewives was never hotter. I think this was the apex of their relationship. Josh Howard. Let the man move on. We don't need to keep delving into his past. <laughs> Josh Howard? Apex Mountain? I don't even know what that, what, did, what do you mean, Apex? Oh, I didn't explain Apex Mountain <laughs> no. to you. Uh, was this the apex of their career? The uh -huh. highest point they hit? For Josh Howard, for sure. Diop? Ghana Buckets. That was big. That was no, for Dirk? Was coming out party. Avery Johnson? No, Dirk. For Dirk, it was crazy. I mean, a it, we Avery thought Johnson? it was. Well, not according to you, killing his third quarter lineups. Um, that is, I mean, I mean, he beat Pop. It's a pretty damn good this night. This has to be. Pretty damn good night Because they Avery lose Johnson. the 06 finals, and then the next year he loses in round one, and he's has Pretty to good go. night for him. Funniest in-game network promo. Couldn't find one. For some reason, um, when they showed this, they didn't have any uh, in-game stuff. Hottest retroactive take. This is another category. One you wish you had in the moment. Mine is, it's my reaction every time I watch Hardwood Classics when I see this stuff. Why weren't they playing small bar often? Like, where was the one guy on either team to be like, hey, just an idea. When, when we play Dirk, Terry, Howard, Harris, and Stackhouse, everybody's open all the time and it's good for Dirk. We should just do that. But then you think about it and it's like, Pop hated threes then, but he hates it now too. Right. Like he's the one. How many times did he say it last year? All you got to do is look at the stat sheet. And whoever wins the three-point line wins. And I actually counted it up all through the playoffs. And I mean, it was, it's it's like the team that wins the three-point line wins like 70% of the game. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, I literally did. I mean, I don't have it in front of me, but the math was unreal that he was right. And well, they could have gone so he, even in 14 when they destroyed the heat in a barrage of threes. He wasn't happy when they were winning a championship. That's, right. just, that's him. Well, they had Duncan, they had Manu Parker, Bruce Bowen was making threes this year. And then Finley or Barry, those guys made him. They actually had the perfect small ball team. I don't think they always realized it. They had spent all that money on Rosh and Asterovich and all that stuff. Um, best unintentional comedy moment. The very beginning of this game. There's an opening shot of the refs, and it's a freeze frame photo of Steve Javi, Bob Delaney, and Dick Pavetta. And I just started laughing. I was like, oh my God, Dick Pavetta. I wonder what his instructions were for this one from, from the commish. Dick Pavetta. Commish is like, I won an overtime game, Dick. Okay, Mr. Commissioner. Um, probably unanswerable questions. Did that Manu foul cost us a Spurs three peat? I think we answered that. 
And I think it did. I think, I think it, it did because I think they would have won in 07, regardless. Because I think they had the best team both of those years. I mean, I would have picked the Spurs over that Heat team. Well, yeah, Bruce Brown on Wade. He's not doing what he did in the series. And then See, uh, I'm still selling that Heat team short. I didn't learn my lesson. That 06 Heat team did have a lot of what the 11 Mavs had. I agree. Now, Wade was this dynamic young guy, but, you know, Cantankerous, Alonzo, and Peyton, and Antoine, Antoine Walker, Walker yeah. and Jay, like they, Old Shaq. Yeah, I mean, they had and, some of that. And Pat Riley. There's that oh, famous man. story of Pat Riley in the second half, like not using a clipboard, not using anything, and just— He's the one the timeouts yelling, you're tougher than them. Well, you're tougher than them. He's the one who invented, you know, we don't pack. We bring one suit. And then in 11, when the Mavs went back for game six, they did, it's a funeral. Tyson Chandler made it. We're all going to wear black. We're going to a funeral. One suit and we're wearing black. We're going to beat these guys. That's backfired on some teams <laughs> since. <laughs> oh shit, I only have one suit. We just lost. It, do it doesn't backfire on Pat Riley. My other unanswerable question is, what happened to Avery Johnson's coaching career? Do you think he just was a relic of the past? Like, this was a guy who almost won the title and then a year later won 67 games. On one hand, I was a little surprised he went to college, but then I would hear people say he'll be better in college. He can coach his way. He can be really stern with the young guys, but it didn't work out great there. My other unanswerable question was, why doesn't Dirk have a rival? You, you don't think Duncan's his rival? Do you think that? Yeah. Do you think they think that? Do you think there's yeah. like every year I'm measuring myself against yeah. Tim Duncan? Really? I, like something that I would love that I could never do. I would love to hear free throw line conversations between them. I would love at the All-Star game to see them on the same team. I think there was a lot there. And like I said, there's a lot. I don't, you know, I obviously know a lot of the Dirk story and a lot of the Spurs story. Those are probably the two teams I've covered the closest. I think there is, I think Dirk's a pretty open book, but Duncan just doesn't let anybody in. Yeah. Only Kawhi is a more closed book than Duncan. So it's just, there's a lot we don't know. And I, I do think. I feel like Duncan's rival was the Lakers and just Shaq, Kobe, and then eventually Kobe and just Kobe for supremacy of the generation and all that you stuff. You know, Pop's. You know, Pop said that- And Pop, Phil Jackson, that was going- Because, you know, Pop called them Soviet Union and Phil was always slamming Pop. Well, yeah. remember the Pau Gasol trade? Pop went fucking crazy. But even before that, when when the Spurs won in 99, it yep. was the asterisk team. Phil was the one who started the asterisk and they, talk. He lost to the Spurs. And then he, Buck Harvey, the great columnist in San Antonio, I remember he wrote this just amazing column- about how Phil Jackson would privately refer to Pop and his whole coaching staff. He called them the simulator crew because none of them had ever played in the league. Oh, so wow. Like, that's, thing, like, that's like, Ooh. that's the kind of trash talk that First Take would be doing for days, but this is, you know, the year 2000 and there's, it's, you know, nobody's reading the San Antonio Express News in Bristol. Well, I remember Pop, after the Gasol trade was the maddest yeah. I ever remember a coach at another team. Like he was basically questioning the legality but of I the guess, trade. But that's, but again, living in Texas, covering these guys so close to me, they're, they're the two that I kind of link. It felt like Dirk was against the whole West conference. Cause at various points he was against everybody, right? Like he had even near the end, he's going against well, OKC. He was, he was, he started with a big three, Finley, Nash and Dirk. But in the end it was him against the world. That's yeah. Why. Um, who won the game is the last category. I don't think that's a hard question to answer. 
it was certainly Dirk had two pivotal moments in his career, which we covered in the Pyramid podcast. But uh, this one and the other one, he climbs up a notch each time. And the two, I think the two are linked. I think 06 in a weird way set up 11. Because he got it's a through damn it. long setup. He did it on the road. It's yeah, a re- long setup. It really was. Um, anything else we could cover? That's it. Sports Rewatchables here on the Book of Basketball Pod. Mark Stein, this was a pleasure. Thank you. Honored. <laughs> <laughs>